been the past few weeks we've been talking about ridiculous faith a tale of ridiculous faith and we've been looking at the book of kings to look at the life of elisha mainly and uh, he he had three series so far and we looked at the calling of elisha and the several things he went through as a prophet today will be the last day of the series and uh, i want to do it slightly different uh, the first service i had these notes i wanted to go by and i just changed it halfway so now i'm ready we're just going to do it the second way which is notes and story version all right uh, so yeah pastor's been talking about elisha and ridiculous faith as christians all we have is our faith we worship a god whom we've never seen we received a jesus christ whom we've never physically met you know the world teaches us seeing is believing but in our case we have to believe to see you know it's opposite everything the world tells us is opposite of what christianity is all about by faith we received christ in the same way um you know this our journey in everything not only in receiving christ but in everything is full of faith all right and in order for us to understand that i figured what's the best way to explain this the main thing is to know your calling number one point is know your calling who called you all right we'll read in first kings chapter 19 verse 19 to 21 it says so elijah went and found elisha son of shahafat Shafat plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th man. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, "First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you." Elijah replied, "Go on back, but think about what I have done to you." So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed through the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So we pastor talked about this before so I want I won't uh, you know go on it too long. But we see that Elijah was a prophet. Everybody knew who Elijah was. And suddenly he needed to get a apprentice so to say and he put his mantle or cloak on Elisha and at that point Elisha knew he was being called into this service into the service of this great prophet of God and at that point he decided immediately because he knew who was calling him even though it was Elijah who put the mantle on him he knew the calling was from God as Christians we have a calling in our lives there's always a purpose whether you're a Christian or not you know there's some sort of a purpose in your life but especially as Christians we know that God has a purpose and a calling for our lives the bible says you know in uh, numbers 23:19 it says god is not a man that he should lie nor a human being that he should change his mind does he speak and then not act does he promise and not fulfill when god says i have a calling for you there's no lie in it when god says i'm faithful to you there's no lie to it when god says i have a purpose to you there's no lie he's not going to change your mind and be like suddenly oh hello you know i, I wanted you to do this but i kind of changed my mind that's the character of a human being uh, most of the time you know we're changed by events that happen in our lives as human beings when something happens if you do something good i'm going to love you if you do something bad suddenly i don't feel the same way about you but god doesn't work like that no matter what he stays the same That's why it's in numbers it says God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. 
So together with this, I want to tell you a, a story of myself. Normally, we relate to people when we tell you personal lives. And I want to tell you what happened to me. Like most of you know, I'm from Ethiopia, East Africa, grew up in Tanzania. And while I was there, after high school, I didn't want to go straight to university because at that point, I hated school. Now I appreciate school more because I understood the value. But at that point, I wasn't ready for school and I, I just didn't want to go to college. But I decided to work and, you know, did some traveling. And then that's when I really fell in love with God. And so I became a youth pastor. And I was a youth pastor for seven years. I don't know how it happened, but it happened because, you know, God had a calling in my life. But after that, I felt like I needed to go to school. Now I was ready to go to school. I wanted to get further education. So when I was in Tanzania, I applied to Rema. Rema is a school in uh, Oklahoma, Tulsa, or Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, it's not accredited university, but it's like a vocational training thing. You get ministerial training. And so I applied. I don't have any money at this point, okay? But I applied saying, okay, let's see what God does. In fact, I trusted God so much that I packed all my things. I didn't even have tickets. And a ticket to come here is at least 1500 because it's so far. It's on the other side of the world. But I didn't even have that. I just went ahead, packed all my things, gave away what I need to give away, and just trusted God. And people found out I was planning to go to the U.S., so they just started handing me money. So I bought the full ticket, and I had 2000 in my pocket. Now, the kind of visa you get to come here for this program, since it's not accredited university, they give you a visa where you're only allowed to be here, but you're not allowed to work. No working, just be here, do your studies, and leave. So when you come, you have to come with enough money for the school tuition, uh, for accommodation, for food, transportation, all that stuff. So here I am. I guess I wasn't thinking right. But came here, flew here with only $2,000. I don't know how long it's going to last me. Really, it can't last you that long. But I first came to uh, D.C. or Silver Spring because I have a sister here just to spend some time with her for like two weeks. But in the meantime, I started looking for uh, houses in Tulsa that are close to where I was going. And the closest I found was like seven miles away. And it was a great price. It was like $300, utilities, and everything. Oklahoma life is really cheap. It's nothing like the East Coast here. So much cheaper. Like, when gas was low, it was like a dollar twenty cents. I wish it was like that here, but it was really low. And uh, so I, I called this woman. I said, hey, you know, do you have, is there public transportation? And there's no public transportation in Oklahoma. It barely, non-existent. So I have to find a way to get from the house to the school. The school is also with the church, so I need a way to transport and uh, she told me, oh, don't worry about it. There's two international students here, and I transport them every day. So, you know, you can chip in for guys, and I'll transport you guys. So I said, okay, 300 sounds perfect. Uh, who wouldn't take a $300 place to stay? So uh, so that's 300 and Like I said, I only came with $2,000. And then the school, it's really cheap because they have a lot of sponsors. You know, they even give you, with the tuition comes with books and everything. So the, the way it works is if you can't pay full, you would pay $1,000 the first time and then break it down like $300 a month till you finish paying. So I paid the first $1,000. I paid my $300 for, um, you know, the rent. And then, you know, you buy food and other things you need for school. And now I don't have any money. So the first month, everything that needs to be paid is paid. 
So I'm living with her. It's far. She's taking us back and forth. I can't really volunteer since I can't work. You know, I only have my time to give to the church. I want to volunteer. But I really can't because, you know, I depend on her for transportation. So I started praying. I said, Lord, I need a way out. Also, she has a mental issue. Like she would talk to herself, scream and make up stories and cuss at you. And, and I'm like, okay, this is not safe for me. When I sleep, I lock the door because you never know. So <laughs> I don't need nobody coming, you know. Anyways, <laughs> we've all watched for horror movies. Um, so I'm like, Jesus, I need a way out. I need to get out of this house. I need a house that's closer to the school so that I can volunteer. I want to be able to walk because I don't have a car. And um, so I started praying. And I met somebody when I was at school, and he was telling me, hey, you know, one of my roommates is about to leave, so I can talk to the owner of the house and see if you can rent. And I asked him how much he said. He said it was $250 a month, which is much cheaper, and it was only five-minute walk from the school. So I said, perfect, please talk to him. So this is at the end of the first month. At the same time, I have to pay the installment for the school. So... I stayed away from the office because I don't have the money. I can't work. Where am I going to get money? So I just, you know, take another route to go to school, avoid the main office or whatnot. And then a week later, they called me. I'm like, oh, here we go. I was afraid. I was dreading. Went there and I said, hey, what's up? And they handed me a receipt. I'm like, oh, what's this? They're like, oh, somebody paid for you for that month. I'm like, wow, okay. And then the house situation the, my friend talked to the owner of the house, and uh, you know the owner wanted to see me just so he knows what he's getting himself into. And uh, he said, "Hey, I hear you're looking for a house. Here's this is the room." So just to be sure myself, I asked him, "So how much is it?" And he said, "Don't worry about it." My whole time in Oklahoma, I've never paid rent except that first month. I lived in that house rent free, no charge whatsoever. Not only that. He gave me a car, he pays insurance for it, he puts gas in it, he takes me grocery shopping, and the best part, I think, at least for me, he works in American Airlines, so he put me on a buddy pass. So I travel however I want to. For the longest time, I didn't even know he paid the taxes for the flight. I thought it was just free. But he's been paying. Whenever I travel, he pay for the taxes. Whatever needs to be paid, he would pay. And he gets me on the flights I need. And all that stuff. So imagine, all these years... I came with only $2,000. I couldn't work. I can't pay tuition. I can't get rent. Because 2000 is not going to last you the three years I was there with that school. But look at God. I came because I knew who called me. I knew what my purpose was. At that point, it was to go to this school. I had nobody. I mean, I had my parents and everything, but I'm a grown man now. You know, They're not going to be providing for me all my life. So I had to come up a way. And the only way I knew was God. I had a choice to make, which brings me to the next point I have, second point, which is no plan B. The one who calls us is faithful. The one who is being called needs to know that the one who called you is faithful. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and tie it to this scripture because we're talking about Elisha. And this will go hand in hand with the story I'm telling you. And uh, so the second point is no plan B. In uh, 2 Kings... Chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, it says, One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with, with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Go ahead. 
Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. <coughs> Excuse me. Now look at this. These people, you know, they're trying to accommodate themselves. They need more room. So, you know, they're cutting down trees. They're building everything from scratch. And this axe head falls. <coughs> we may think, oh, it's just an axe head. What's the big deal? But you have to understand, at that point, in that time of the era, iron is very valuable. It's a valuable metal. It's very expensive. It's not like here, where you can just bore your neighbor's axe or whatever, and nobody cares, you know? It's valuable. And when it fell in, he panicked. He didn't know what to do. But he knows that there's a man of God there, all right? And so he told him, look, man, this thing fell. I borrowed it. I don't know what to do. And so the man of God says, okay, where is it? Show me. He just cut a stick and threw it there. It sounds ridiculous when we think about it. Just like it's ridiculous for me to take $2,000 and move here, knowing, not knowing where I was going. All I knew is there is a God, and I believe in Him. And if, he, if I believe in Him, I have to trust His way. Elisha took that stick, threw it there, the axe head floated. There's no little detail or li too big for God you know, to care about. He cares about every single detail in your life. I always say, if you believe your God is big, then think big things. But at the same time, this is the same God that dwells in you. He created the universe and also dwells in you. So there's nothing too small and nothing too big for Him. Every single detail in your life, He cares about. When Ken was praying, praying this morning, he said, you know, this week, you may be, this coming week, we may be going through several things. You know what? God cares about that. It's not like, oh, you know, sometimes when we make small talk, oh, so what's going on? Oh, okay, oh, not really listening. God isn't like that. He cares about everything. In fact, He cares so much, He knows your needs more than you know your own needs. So coming back to this, Elisha just cut the stick. He did his part. God doesn't need your help. That's why we say no plan B. So have you ever had, some of you have kids, grown kids or young kids who are, who, who are able to talk to you. And, uh, or your grandparents. And we know one thing. If you promise a child something, they don't think twice about it. They expect it. They know you will do it because you said you're going to do it. They cannot comprehend the fact if you don't do it, they can't comprehend that. You said you're going to do this. Why didn't you do it? I don't have kids, but I have a nephew and a niece, a 10-year-old and a 8 or 7. Sorry, <laughs> I'm bad with numbers, uh, but age or sorry. <laughs> but if I tell them something, they don't think twice. They expect me to do it. And that's the kind of faith we need to have with God. I don't know what happens, but in, when we're growing, suddenly everything changes. You know, I guess real life kicks in and we're like, ah, what if this doesn't happen? And we try to help God. You know what? God doesn't need our help. He wasn't, you know, when we create when he created the universe, he didn't need any of our helps. He created you. What God wants is for us to work with him. He wants us to participate with him. So coming back to my story and you know, like I said, I'm here at Rema. 
rent taken care of. I don't even have to worry about. But I still have to pay monthly for the school. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. But every time they would call me to the office and hand me a receipt. I have no clue who's paying for it. All I knew was I had to trust in God. In fact, when I pray, I'd be like, Lord, I don't care how you do it. I don't need to know. Just do it for me because I don't know how to do it. I will do my part. At that time, my part was to go to school and be a good student. I will do that. I'll attend all my classes. I give my time. I volunteer. Volunteered every day after school because the, all my classes were in the morning. So I had the whole afternoon. So I volunteered. It's a huge church. So, you know, there's a lot to do. So And then uh, sometimes the little details like winter came. I've never lived in winter. I grew up by the Indian Ocean. It's always tropical climate. Tropical climate is is wonderful. If you li- if you've never lived there, but I have to warn you, it makes you lazy. After lunch, we all have to take naps. That's just the way it goes. Government offices, their lunch breaks are two to four. I know you wish you guys had that, but you know, different atmosphere here. You have to work hard here, and. Um, and so, I, you know, winter came in, and I didn't know what to do. And the jackets are not cheap. If you want a nice jacket, it's not cheap. So I just prayed. I said, Lord, I need a jacket. I don't know how, but you either give me the money or send, you know, do something. So I was volunteering. I was an usher, and the usher has a, you know, we have a closet. It's a big church, so there's a lot going on there. And we have our closets where we change into the usher shirts. They have nice shirts with the church logo and whatnot. And so I was changing in there, and somebody knocked on the door. And uh, I opened it, and this guy was like, hey, you know, he had something in his hand, a jacket, <laughs> surprise. And uh, he's like, I was praying last night. I've never met this guy before in my life. He said, I was praying last night, and I saw your face, and the Lord told me to give you this. He gave me this nice Banana Republic jacket. I had to Google it just to find out. It was a nice leather brown jacket, and it cost like $300. I would never afford that. But you know who can? My Jesus can. You know, he, he cares for every detail. So he provided for me that. And so uh, three years go by. I finished Rema. But, you know, like I said, it's not an accredited university. So I, need, I needed to go to a university. And I've, only, I've always wanted to go to one university. I've never even considered any other. I wanted to go to Oral Roberts, which is also in Tulsa, which is great. I already have a place to stay, so I don't have to worry about that. But the tuition is a whole new ballgame. Rema, I'll tell you how much Rema was a year. It was $3,000. And they provided books, all the books you need and everything. ORU, just tuition, if you don't live on campus, is $24,000 a year. That does not cover books. It's a private university, so it's expensive. I'm a foreigner. I can't take any loans out. If I want to take a loan out, I have to put somebody's name. What's the term used for it? But you have to put someone to co-sign. Thank you. You have to get somebody to co-sign for you. And I don't want to deal with that. You know, you're putting other people in danger. And then at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, this is the place I know I need to go. So if I'm going to believe God, I have to believe God. No plan B, I said to myself. This is a decision you personally have to make. I said... There's nothing I can do to help God, but whatever is expected of me, like applying to the school, applying to scholarships, and being a good student, I will do. So I applied. And they gave me a scholarship for about $13,000. So I still have to come up with $10,000, which is a big chunk. I was dealing with $3,000 a year. Now I have to deal with $10,000. 
So I'm like, you know what? God knows. Let me go ahead and continue my education. So now the monthly, <laughs> the installment fee is $1,000. From $300 to $1,000. I want you to see the difference. I came to the U.S. with only $2,000. I couldn't work. Now I can work. Because my visa changes because this is accredited university. So the government allows you to work on campus. However, even the work you can do there is limited. You only paid minimum wage, which is like $7.25 an hour. And then you can only work between 13 to 15 hours because that's only how much they can afford. So I would work that much and you can... You know, whatever you get paid will never reach a thousand dollars a month. You know, because first of all, you're a student; you don't have time to work full time. You work fifteen to you know fifteen hours a week, minimum wage, thousand dollars a month. So they call me in the office again. Here we go. You know, I'm tired of this, but I trust in God. So let's just go and see what they say. So they're like, so you know, you need to pay. Like I said, look, I don't have money, but uh, you know, there's nothing I really I can tell you. So, the guy, God bless him, he said, <clears throat> my throat keeps, sorry. <clears throat> so, the guy told me, look, let me do one thing, and I expect you to do one thing. Make sure, make sure all your grades are high. Maintain a high grade, you know, a high GPA, above 3.5, and I'll see what I can do for you. So, the first few months... Random people would pay for me that I don't know about. $1,000. $1,000 is not cheap. Before it was 300 Imagine, Arima. Now $1,000 being paid for me from people I don't even know. All I know is I have a God who cares for me. All I know is there's no plan B with him. He called me. I'll trust in him. I'll go. I cannot help him. I cannot prepare a backup plan for him. He doesn't need a backup plan. Normally what happens is when you decide to fidget and make your own plan... God steps and says, okay, let's do it your way. Because he's a gentleman. He'll never force you. And so January comes. This is still my first semester. I haven't paid anything in January. And February I haven't paid. So now it's getting serious. Again, they called me. The retention officer calls me. She's like, you know, what's going on? I said, I don't have money, you know. I don't have anybody supporting me. And I want to continue school. I'm a good student. So she's like, give me a week. And I'll call you back. So in the meantime, she would call my teachers and call people who are involved in the school and ask them about me. And uh, a week later, she say, she calls me and says, hey, all your teachers love you. You're a good student, so we'll take care of everything for the year. They just paid off everything. All I did was, what? Trust in God. I didn't try to help him with anything. I just fully, completely trusted him. Again, remember where I came from. With only $2,000 in my pocket. I have a house to live in. I have a car I drive. I travel when I want to. But I came with nothing. Only trust I had was in God. He does not need our help. He's never needed our help. All he wants from you is participation. Remember the children. They trusted in him. They trust in their parents no matter what happens. You say something, they expect that. Why don't we do the same with God? What's different here? Is it because we can't, we can't see him? That's what faith is all about, believing in what you do not see. I'm going to read it for you. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. If you can see it, it's not really faith. It's there. It's obvious. I know there's a chair right there. It's not faith. It's sight. 
However, faith is when you believe in something you do not see. You're sure of it. The same way we have to be sure of who we believe in. We have to be sure of the one who called us will also do what he said he will do. I read a scripture earlier in Numbers 23. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. He is faithful. Amen? So I had to learn to trust in him. I'll, I'll tell you uh, sides, another side story. Uh, a few years ago, you know, I, I had this thing in my bucket list that I wanted to go skydiving. Because I just thought it was the best thing ever. And so um, my wonderful wife, we're just dating then. She surprised me for my birthday. She took me to skydiving. And um, I did tandem, meaning, you know, the professional would kind of buckle you on top of him. And you jump together. You're tied on him. You know, you jump together. So he does everything else. You just enjoy. It sounds easy, right? But it's scary. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I'm very excited. They tell me what I need to do. It's like when we go out there, uh, you know, just know that I have you, but I need you to, you know, just put your hands up. Don't frail so you get in my way other way. Otherwise, just put your hands up like this and your legs like this and just enjoy. So I'm like, okay, we can do this. And he's, he told me, when we are up there, I'll ask you, are you ready? You know, you say, yes, we'll go. Even if you say no, I'll, I'll tell you I heard go and we'll jump. I said, oh, brilliant. No choice here. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm ready. I'm not changing my mind. Let's go. I'm excited. You know, he ties me to himself. It's a little plane. So, you know, we're on our knees and he ties me and everything. And then when he opened the door, I'm like, oh, boy, what did I do? But now there's no way out. He already told me. Either way, we're going. So he jumped. And I'm like, oh, I'm panicking. It was scary. And then it hit me. There's really nothing I can do. There's only two options here. You know, I get in his way and we just die or <laughs> I enjoy it and I trust him. And you know what? I chose to trust him and I did my part. I enjoyed it. And he had this little GoPro thing on his hand. So he took tons of pictures, which was amazing. And uh, it was the best thing ever, best experience. But the thing where it changed was when I decided to trust him and do my part. My part was just to do this. I did my part. I didn't try to help him. He knows. He's a professional. Now imagine, this is a human being I chose to trust. What about God? What about God? Just trust him. Do your part and jump out. Don't jump out without a parachute or anything. But you know, <laughs> just trust him and let him take charge. Let him do his thing. He's God. He doesn't need your help. He's never needed your help. Amen? So coming back to the story... Um, like I said, God cares about every detail. So I'm here at ORU, you know, and now books are so expensive. They're so expensive, it's ridiculous. It's even unfair because sometimes you don't even use those books in school. You just buy them just so you say, I have it. But, you know, God is faithful. Some, sometimes just random people would be like, hey, what do you need with this book? Let's go get it. I'll buy it for you. Why? Because I only trust God. But there are times in my life I struggle. I don't know, because you forget you're a human being. You panic. It's by nature. When you see something, you're like, oh, oh, what do I do? But you see what Elijah did. When that person, Elisha, excuse me, when that person dropped the axe head, he asked him, where is it? Take me to that point. The best thing to do when you feel like you've lost your faith is go to that point where you feel you've lost your, point, your faith. Go to that point and God will meet you there. Do you remember that feeling you had when you received Jesus Christ? Go to that feeling. 
When you trust it absolutely, okay, this is real, this is for real. Go to that point, <clears throat> and God will meet you there. He will work with you. And so my journey continued there at school. I finished a year, but the next year again, I have to, I have to pay for school. I still have ten thousand dollars. So during the summer, I went to talk to the retention officer, and uh, she said, "Let me see what I can do for you." And so she found me more scholarships. So now instead of thirteen, I was getting uh, six more thousand on top of that. So I still had a, you know, big chunk. In my opinion, a big chunk. I mean, it's not the same, but still, you know, it's a big chunk for me. Um, I don't have a full-time job or, you know, stuff like that. So I needed to come up with the rest. So I'd still do what I can do. I'd keep my grades up, work my uh, work-study job. Whatever I get, I put it towards the tuition. But it's not enough. It's not. So I prayed. I said, look, God, I need it. I need help here. And uh, I need you to provide a way for me, you know, that, that way I can finish school without worrying about what I'm going to pay. And I took, I was a theology major and a graphic design minor. So I went to the theology department. I said, hey, you guys have scholarship? I said, hmm, you know what? Let's see what we can do for you. And sure enough, they got me a scholarship. They covered everything. The next year, the, the station, radio station at ORU, uh, they, somehow they saw some of the graphic design work I did. I don't even remember how they saw it, but they saw it. And they're like, you know what, we want to use you. We'll give you this much scholarship money so that you can design for us throughout the year. So now, the last year I was there, the radio station gave me money, the school gave me money, and just the theology department gave me money. All I had to pay was $100 a month. $100 a month. And that also eventually was nothing because somehow something happened and it was all cleared. Imagine. $2,000 in my pocket when I first came. I couldn't work. Didn't know where I was going to live. All I had was my Jesus. I just trusted in God. I didn't try to help Him, but I did my part. I want you to understand this. We all have parts to play. Because the Bible says faith is action. Faith without action is dead. So when you, you say you believe, do it to support. You say God is going to provide. You say He's going to open that door for you. Walk towards that door. Don't wait for the door to open while you're here. Walk towards it. It will open for you. That's faith, as simple as that. The same way, Elisha knows if he throws that stick there, the, the iron head is going to float. No matter what you do, Jesus is there for you. No matter what you're going through, God cares for you. He knows our needs more than you know your own needs. We're using this Old Testament to teach us these things. But remember everything that happened throughout the years, even after Jesus came. You don't see the apostles worrying about anything. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's an example for us. Where uh, this crippled guy talks to uh, Peter and, uh, what's his name, Peter and James. And he says, can I have money please? And they tell him, silver nor gold do we have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, get up. The guy just got up and he's crippled all his life. Do we serve a different God than they did? Do we, have, do we believe in a different Jesus that they did? I don't think so. The same Holy Spirit that was in them is also in us. What's even better is we're talking from the old covenant. It was a different covenant. Only specific people, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and use them. But now the Holy Spirit is promised to all of us. So somebody explained this to me. They said, the faith of God is like this. He gives us the same amount to everybody. Let's say this is the faith of God. Okay? 
He gives me. He gives Brittany. He gives, you know, anybody the same amount from the same thing. Is this material different from this? It's not. This, the same faith I have, you have it in you. Because the same Holy Spirit that was given to me is also given to you. There's nothing special. There's no special formula. Absolutely nothing. All you have to do is blindly believe Him and participate with Him. It's so much more fun that way. I always say, my God is fun. He's not stuck out like boring God. No, Jesus is fun. He wants you to enjoy life. Not only when you go to heaven, but He wants you, he wants you to enjoy life here on earth. It says heaven on earth. Amen? Then why did He come? If He didn't want you to enjoy life here, then what was the point? He wants you to enjoy life here and even more later. Amen? And so in conclusion, I want to read for you a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. He has one plan for you. Plan A. He doesn't need a backup plan. Backup plans are for human beings. All He wants for you, from you is participation. Participate. Enjoy life. Enjoy the process. And He'll take care of everything. Remember your calling and no plan B. Amen? Let's pray.